You know, there's an interesting thing about Hebrew is that you've got feminine and masculine words. It's the same in Spanish. You know, the word for wisdom in Spanish is sabiduría, la sabiduría. It's a feminine word. And so I thought it would be interesting to read Proverbs chapter 8 and have a woman do it. It's feminine. And who better than my wife? <laughs> Proverbs chapter 8. Listen as wisdom calls out. Here is understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop, along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates, at the entrance to the town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud. I call to you, to all of you. I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right. For I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There's nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver, and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to it. Yeah, we've been, uh, thank you, Gail. We've been uh, having a series called Words to the Wise. And uh, wisdom, according to this chapter, is calling out to us. It's standing at the crossroads where everybody passes by. Um, it's, it says it's to all of us. No one is excluded. And what, what wisdom says is right, and it's the truth. And I personally have never heard an entire message on the subject this morning, so I'm listening with you. I can hardly wait to find out what I'm going to say. But wisdom is standing there calling out on one subject today, and that's anger. Anger. You know, uh, <clears throat> I grew up in uh, Northern California. And uh, back in the day, uh, when there were uh, my first wedding I was ever in, in those days, what would happen after the wedding was over, the wedding car would be out in front. And people would line up their cars behind it, and it was up to the bride and groom to figure out a way to get away. And so, you, you, you know, you'd, until they figured out a way to get away, you'd follow them. I remember one, uh, one wedding, it was actually someone who was in that wedding party also, had the car out in front all decorated up and everything, and they slipped out a window in the back. They got away. Well, this particular day, the, uh, the car takes off. And we're all following. And we get to the largest shopping center in town, Saturday afternoon, filled with cars. And so we're, we're, we're there going like five miles an hour or less, about 10 cars following the wedding car. And here comes another car, line of cars, coming the other direction. I recognize it. I knew what was going to happen. The car came up, bride and groom got out, got into that car. We couldn't do a thing. They were, they were gone. It was genius, I thought. This was the best I've ever seen. The best man 
pushed it a little far. Now, in those days, some of you will remember, the hoods didn't have a lock on them. So the best man, the, the best man runs over, opens up the hood, takes off the distributor cap, and starts running away. So the groom blew sky high. He blew a gasket. That's pretty good because that's car language, gasket. You know. <laughs> Personally, I open up the hood to see if the engine's there. But, so he blows a gasket and he starts running it. Now, I'm watching this thing from afar, watching best man, groom, best man, groom, best man. And then he catches him, throws him against a car, takes the distributor cap, goes back, puts it on, and leaves. He broke three ribs. And I know he told me later, all through his honeymoon, he was trying to get a hold of the best man to, to apologize. No cell phones, you know, never got a hold of him. So the, the thing is, is that today we're going to talk about anger. And the first question is, is anger always sin? Is there something that we commonly call righteous anger? You know, righteous anger, that's my anger. <laughs> anger, but no sin involved. So let's take a look at Mark 3. We let the scripture answer that question. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everything, everyone. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around them in anger. And deeply distressed at his stubborn hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and the hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Another one. Let's go to John 11. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. Some other versions, this is the NLT, say deeply moved, but I went to the Greek, and the Greek actually means human outrage or anger. He, he welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. One more. Romans 1. But God shows his anger, other versions say wrath, from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. My conclusion, yes, there is something called righteous anger. You know, it, you can be angry without sinning. Now, does that mean that we go out today and vent, let it fly, break a few ribs? Wait, there's more. There's one passage here key passage, Ephesians 4.26. In your anger, do not sin. Let's quote it from the New American Standard Bible. Be angry and yet do not sin. We're emotional people. You know, we can be sad uh, and, and, and not sin. Jesus, in fact, was sad, but never sinned. There is a, it's interesting, there's a semi-cult that I had, had to deal with not too far from here that says sadness is a sin. So if you come to church and you look sad or are sad, someone will come up to you and rebuke you. But Jesus was sad, never sinned. We're happy. Sometimes we're grieved. So is the Holy Spirit. 
Ephesians 4. We're perplexed. Paul and, and, and Peter were both perplexed. Peter, when he saw the sheet vision in Acts 10, and Paul, in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, it says he was perplexed, but not driven to despair. Anyway, all kinds of emotions, and one of those is anger. So, let's talk about righteous anger, no sin involved. That's me. My anger is always righteous. I have a reason for my anger. It's the people around me that have the problem. So, why did God give us anger? Anger can serve a positive purpose in our lives. I think its, it's purpose is to stimulate us to action, but to righteous action, righteous anger. It's never to protect ourselves, damage others, or break ribs. Righteous anger never flies off the handle or loses control, but it's meant to do God's will. Jesus got angry and cleansed the temple of cheaters. Moses, in Exodus 32, when he came down from the mountain and found the people worshiping the golden calf, righteous anger. I, uh, I was in Argentina a little while ago, and um, I, I'd spoken all day long. Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and I was really tired. So with a pastor, I sat down, and we started, and he turned on the television. And lo and behold, on TV was a guy making fun of the Bible. Now, the pastor saw that and got enraged. He, he jumped out of, of his chair, went over to the television, put his hands on the television, and said, in Jesus' name, we're going to preach the gospel at this very time and on this very channel and defend the Word of God. Next day, he and I go down to the television station, demand to talk to the program. He demanded, I didn't, I went with him. But um, to the program director. And uh, we got to speak to him, presented the problem. And it's a long story, but we were able to get the very time on the very channel to preach the Word of God. And not only that, he invited people to attend a meeting where a very famous, now converted, actress was going to give her testimony. They came, 250 people were saved. That's using righteous anger. So... I think that there is righteous anger, and that's why he has given us anger. Now, how about unrighteous anger? How about human anger? Notice the same chapter, Ephesians 4, but verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Get rid of it. Brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. What is unrighteous or human anger? I went to the dictionary. Not a Bible dictionary, regular dictionary. Strong emotional reaction of displeasure, often leading to plans for revenge or punishment. Very interesting. Now, righteous anger leads to righteous acts. Human anger, well... James says it best in James chapter 1. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, some examples of unrighteous anger in the Bible. Cain in Genesis 4. How about Saul in 1 Samuel 18? Saul, they said, remember? Saul has killed his thousands. David his ten thousands. And then it says... This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. 
They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Jealousy and anger went together. How about David himself? 1 Samuel 25. When Nabal refused to give provisions to David and his men, David himself became angry, and he was actually going to kill Nabal and all of his men. When Nabal's wife, Abigail, interceded. And then this is what David said later on. He replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you. (laughs) Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, none, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. Unrighteous anger, David. Of course, there's also Acts 7, Stephen's death. After Stephen's message in verse 54, the Bible says, The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. And they ended up, of course, killing him. So, Let's, be, let's face it, we all struggle with anger, one way or another, to one degree or another. In Galatians 5, the acts of the flesh are obvious, Paul says. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred and discord and jealousy, fits of rage. The New Living Translation says outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, faction and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, second, anger can, doesn't have to be, but can be a problem in the church. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 20, for I am afraid that when I come, there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, the NLT says fits of anger, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. The Corinthian church was marked by strife and division. And you know, where there's division, you'll always find anger. As a result, Paul requires the leaders of the church, well, let me, let me say it the way Titus, it says in Titus 1.7. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. These qualifications are stated because the church needs to see an example of self-control in the leadership. I uh, played basketball in college. And, uh, yeah, I know, five foot six. Yeah. <laughs> I went, one, time, one time I had a jump ball against a guy who was seven foot two. The referee almost didn't throw up the ball. He was laughing so hard. So, but we had a guy on our team who was a magnificent basketball player. And he was a wonderful guy, except when he was on the basketball court. He could not control his anger. And um, he, he was studying for the ministry, and he became a pastor. But the last time I saw him, he was selling insurance. He did not last. You know, you really see what a person is like when you get him on the basketball court. You ever played church league basketball? 
You'll know what I mean. Or the golf course. Yeah, or driving. Or driving. You know, I, 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 this happened to me. I was driving along, and uh, a person cut me off. And, uh, and uh, I, I got enraged. And I, if you ever happened, you just get immediately angry. I went after the person. And once the incident was over, I said to myself, that's never going to happen again. And so a while ago, I cut a person off. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, didn't do it purposely. It happened. You know, I was turning, cut off. And this lady, she went ballistic. On the horn, the light, she went up, cut me off, tried to run me off the road and everything. And so I remembered, this is never going to happen again. I just very calm, I'm sorry. You know, so another thing about, about uh, an interesting characteristic of anger is that it can be learned behavior. The Bible says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one given to anger, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. You know, we t tend to take upon the characteristic of those we spend a lot of time with. When I was growing up and I felt God's call in my life to, to go into the ministry, I didn't exactly know how, but the two, there were two people really popular at that time. One was Billy Graham. The other was J. Vernon McGee. Now, Billy Graham, I'm watching Billy Graham, and I want to become a preacher. So I'm saying, i got to develop a southern accent. <laughs> you know? And uh, how many of you listened to or heard or know of J. Vernon McGee? Aha, quite a few. And uh, so I, I was watching J. Vernon McGee, heard him in person, so I said, ah, no, it's not the southern accent. What I have to do is learn bad grammar, you know? <laughs> So you have heard him. So. You know, I grew up with twin brothers. We were very close friends. Their father was angry all the time. I don't remember any time when he wasn't angry. These two guys became Christians, and they had to overcome the anger problem that they'd learned from their father. One did, one didn't. Next, anger can be provoked. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. I think the groom, in my first illustration, was provoked. Now, he probably should have handled it in a different way, but uh, I think he was provoked. Now, next, anger is at the center of many marriage problems. Of all things Paul could have said in the whole book of Colossians, he says this one thing to husbands. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So you know, wisdom is standing at the crossroads. Wisdom is lifting her voice and saying, you need to overcome your anger problem. How do we do that? Good question. I think the first thing we need to do, at least to me, is to realize the consequences of unrighteous anger. And the first one is anger gives a place to the devil. Now, there's at least three places in the scripture where it says obviously and openly in the scripture that we can give ground, give an opportunity, or give a place to our enemy. And uh, since these are mentioned by Paul, I think we ought to pay attention to them. The first one is in marriage, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. 
It is when there's a lack of self-control due to one or both denying each other sexual relations on a regular basis. Another one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 to 11, and it's a lack of forgiveness gives place or opportunity to the devil. And there's a third one in 1 Timothy 3, 7, leaders not having a good reputation with those outside the church gives an opportunity to Satan. However, there's another interesting one in Ephesians 4.27. I'll read it from the New Living Translation. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Let's let that one sink in. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. We know the devil is all about dividing, and we don't want to give him the opportunity to do it. Anger does it. Some of the other consequences of anger from Proverbs. Proverbs 14. A quick-tempered person, what does he do? Foolish things. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but the one who is quick-tempered displays folly. The NLT says great foolishness. Proverbs 15. A harsh word, what does it do? It stirs up anger. Proverbs 15. A hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. Rescue them and you'll have to do it again. Then, Proverbs 29, an angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits sin. I thought to, I was looking at this the other day, and I said, commits many sins. Anger is not the only sin that an angry person commits. Just blow, when I was growing up, they said, blowing off steam, getting angry, was actually good for you. But you know what happens? It doesn't take into account that you hurt other people. And, and it leads to, a, anger leads to exaggerations. Like, always, or never, or everyone, or no one. And then there's bitterness, there's revenge, and there's violence. Proverbs 30, verse 33. For as churning cream produces butter... And as twisting the nose produces blood. Not an image I want to spend too much time thinking about. So stirring up anger produces strife. So Ephesians 4.31 says, what does it say? Get rid of all anger and hostility. So the first thing we need to do is look at the consequences. That helps me. I, I, I was uh, having lunch with a Christian leader who's well-known and we were talking about some of these things, and he says, well, I never get heart attacks, I give them. And uh, yeah, you never want to be that person that gives heart attacks. So we need to see that anger hurts others, damages our relationship with Christ, and gives a place to the devil. Second, we need to remember what James says. Verse 29, uh, James 1, 19 to 20. My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So wisdom says, number one, be quick to hear. The NLT, the, 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 the NIV says, take note of this, be quick to hear. James says the first step towards self-control is being receptive. And I ask myself, am I receptive? Am I a good listener? Do I listen to people? So when you're getting angry, 
The first thing you need to do is listen to the other person. Proverbs 13, 1. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. Last week I was in Mexico City. And I had to give the same presentation two days in a row. And uh, on the first day, I'd finished, and a person came up to me and said, can I offer you a couple of suggestions? And I said, I've been doing this for 48 years. Who's this guy, you know? Unfortunately, I had been going over my notes for this message that morning, and I read this verse, you know, constructive criticism. So I, I, and it reminded me of that, so I said, well, yeah, what do you want to say? So he told me what he thought, and the next day, I actually put his ideas into my presentation. So, the moral of that story is, you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> if you reject discipline, you will only harm yourself. If you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Proverbs 18, 13. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. I love the way the NLT puts that. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. I have a homework assignment. I've already done it. So um, this is for you. Take a little time, maybe this afternoon, and ask yourself under what circumstances I'm not a good listener. When am I not a good listener? You know, is it when I have something else to do, have another agenda? Oh, one of mine was when the TV's on. Or when your cell phone is sitting in front of you? Uh, God wants us to be good listeners. So take some time, do the homework, and then come up with a solution for each one. What keeps you from listening? Is it being too focused on my own problems? I have another agenda? I get easily distracted? Whatever it is. There were nine on my list. Wisdom says, number two, be slow to speak. Be quick to hear, but slow to speak. Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's what it says. <laughs> Proverbs 17. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Proverbs 17. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. You know, does uh, the name Larry King ring a bell? You know, used to do all these interviews and everything. He said once, I've never learned anything while I was talking. Ecclesiastes 5.3. Many words mark the speech of a fool. So the first two steps to get rid of anger, according to James, is be quick to hear. Be slow to speak. And the third one is be slow to anger. Numbers 14, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. In the great passage in Galatians 5 where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the last one is self-control. Self-control. wants us to have self-control. Uncontrolled anger is, is a devastating sin. It always creates distance in relationship. It destroys children. It never accomplishes anything good. You might as well throw a, time, a bomb into your living room where your family is there. And from a counseling point of view, when anger enters any relationship, the other person ends up dealing with the anger or dealing with the attitude, not the situation. Nothing ever gets solved.
Before Cain committed the first murder, the Lord said to him, Why are you angry? Now, if you can't make it through a day without a drink, need to face reality. You're an alcoholic. You're addicted to stuff. But if I can't make it through a week without yelling, raising my voice, name-calling, throwing things, ranting, threats, uh, or the silent treatment, which is part of anger, giving the silent treatment, you're an angry person. You need to face it and take drastic steps to root it out of your life. And the first way to do it is, is in the thought life, the level of thoughts. If you're thinking angry thoughts against your husband, your wife, or your children, or your parents, or your employer, you fill in the blank. You're already singing against God. Remember when Jose spoke a while ago, he quoted Matthew 5. Let me quote it here. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So let's get rid of the excuses. You know, I mean, don't call it righteous anger if it isn't, if it's human. Don't call it that. Napoleon once said, you know, Napoleon was quite a theologian. He said, to conquer, you have to replace. So what goes in place of anger? Ephesians 4.32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. If we're going to deal with anger, we never leave a void. Something has to take its place. We have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and be kind and compassionate and forgiving people. So, someone asked me a question as we finish today. I, I want to try to answer it. But what happens if the other person has a problem with anger? I have to deal with an angry person. My boss, my neighbor, my relative, an angry person. Proverbs deals with that also. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Don't respond in kind. Give a gentle answer. Say, I'm sorry. So, think of a time when you really got angry. You know, I've seen some interesting things on the golf course. I, I, I saw two guys get into a fist fight. I saw a guy throw a club so far he couldn't find it afterwards. Um... I saw a guy take a ball, someone else's ball, and hit it off the course in anger. You know, think about a time you really got angry. What were the circumstances? Did it solve anything? If you had to do it over, what would you do differently? What would God have you to do? Are there situations where you get angry? Are you around angry people and you're learning their ways? As Brandon comes up, take a couple of minutes to just think about that and pray to God about that. Lord, dear Jesus, we want to be your people. When we get angry, we want it, we want it really to be righteous anger. We want it to be constructive, to do your will. But Lord, convict us of the other type. Help us to root it out. 
Lord, we want to be a people who are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Dear Jesus, thank you for talking to us.